0: Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies at God Gray XO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com God is Gray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful people. Hi, beautiful people. Today, I am delighted to have Coach Yima. Um, We became friends through the God is Great community online, and... She is a coach that really talks about people making peace with their faith and their sexuality. Um, So that obviously includes LGBTQ issues. Mm -hmm. And I've been wanting to have a conversation like this for a long time. I know it's going to feel like I'm on trend right now. But, you know, I've I've reached out to specifically Black sex educators in the past because I've been like, I know that the Black girls' experience with purity culture is different than the white girls. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to get some clarity on those distinctions. Anyway, we're just going to let this conversation flow, and your turns up today because...
1: <laughs> it's Juneteenth, baby. <laughs> we are celebrating, oh. and it's exciting. It's so awesome.
0: Yeah, I don't know why
1: this was not a holiday before, but I'm so excited that I don't know how everyone or why everyone's waking up. I can go prophetic and spiritual about it, but whatever the reason is, it's beautiful. It's powerful that everyone's waking up to seeing the power of black people and the story of black people and how we've walked through life differently. And even before trying to explain to people that there are two Americas was very hard in the past. Yeah. And there's a white America and there's a black American people wouldn't accept that couldn't understand it. And so even in the church, there's a white church and a black church. And I'm sure you've said it before and people have heard it that Sundays are the most segregated day in the United States, right, because you have the black churches and the white churches and Korean churches and all the different other churches that are here, but it's the most segregated day, but there are two Americas and there are two churches.
0: I think the first thing I'd like to address is that uh, God is Gray is obviously about welcoming all kinds of people into every conversation, so I know there's been a lot of, like, fury and rage and confusion, and, you know, I myself, just being on my Instagram, have gotten a lot of, like, shame and some hits from white girls telling me how to behave and black lives matter how to even feel which is something I resent I feel like the church has been telling me how to feel forever so I'm like I don't need more people telling me how to feel (laughs) But like you can school me you can call me out on how I need to be behaving and but like I've only deferred to black voices on how to behave in this moment so Mm all of that said this is not about shame you're an educator right. you're a professed Absolutely. educator so it's yeah. like hi welcome everybody welcome yeah. we're not we're yes. not going to shame you here for not doing yeah. this perfectly this is just going right. to be a really lovely difficult maybe education on what we're actually mm-hmm. talking about so how can you say there's two different Americas isn't slavery over isn't racism over we had a black president how can you even say that (laughs) that's like one thing I hear right
1: (laughs) well it's the reality right and even um to make it real simple going through the world as a woman versus going through the world as a man will tell you that there are two different realities that people have so of course going through the world as a white person versus being a black person and then being a black woman i think it was it might have been zora neale hurston that said the black woman is the mule of society so Mm -hmm. you have the white man you have the white woman you have the black man and at the very bottom you have the black woman and so going through the world as a black person and then as a black woman it looks different it feels different And I learned this back in middle school, which I think is really interesting that people don't get this. But um, when a white person wakes up in the morning, they see themselves, they see their gender, they see their name, and then they go out into the world and they are just themselves. I am Brenda. I'm a woman. I'm just going to go out and experience the world. But when I wake up in the morning, I'm a black person. And so the world engages with me first not by my gender, which is why the purity movement is really interesting for me when it comes to the church. Mm -hmm. I'm not being engaged first as my gender. I'm being engaged first as a black person or a person of African descent. So my experience is going to be totally different than how you experience the world. And I think I've been thinking through it why white women are really able to tap into the gender inequalities in the world and in the church. They they have a really clear voice on that because they don't have to worry about their color. So the thing that they are able to converse about and sit down and meditate on and get greater understanding on is their gender. Mm. But for me, the first thing that I have to navigate through and work through is my race not because i choose to is because the world relates to me first as this color of my skin not as my gender right so that yeah. comes first that's so really white interesting people don't have that yeah go ahead
0: mm-hmm. well yeah i'm just curious so what does that look like tangib- tangibly because i feel like a lot of people are trying to grasp that as a concept but mm-hmm. how does it feel like if you walk into a coffee shop versus i walk into a coffee shop what kind of different experience are we having And how we're leading that moment
1: okay so let's use the coffee shop when I as a black person walk into a coffee shop the first thing I'm scanning is to see if there are any black people in the room to see if I'm welcome there first right is this something is this a place that serves people that look like me or people who look like me working behind the counter and so once I gauge that that's my filter And so every other experience I have after that, so whether my wait time is longer because I'm a black person or the person behind the counter can't understand me or not hearing me correctly because I'm black and they don't wanna serve me. When you are as a white person walking there, you're not gonna scan the room first to see if there are any other white people in there, right? You're just walking in, and your first look is probably at the menu to see what's on the menu for you to order. The first thing you do as a Black person is to scan the room to see if there's anybody else that looks like you. Um, Basically, you're scanning
0: environments to make sure that you are safe and welcome. Like, so you're you're telling me that every room or space you walk into, the first thing you're doing is asking, "Am I welcome here? Am I safe here?"
1: Right. Exactly. Okay.
0: Interesting. And sorry, your experience. You're gonna say.
1: So, um, when I was younger, so I was dating a Caucasian person. I like to say European American cause I don't like <laughs> African American. <laughs> oh, so, like if I'm African American, a white person can't just be American. You should be a European American. If we're going to use it, let's use it for everybody. European American. fan. Yeah. And we went to the beach. He took me to this beach up in Jersey. And I scanned the, the entire beach. And there was, I think, one Black person I felt extremely uncomfortable because I realized this is a place that Black people don't come to. They're not comfortable here. Am I going to be safe here? And so I scanned it to see if there are other people like me. And then for it is for safety. Am I going to be safe here? with this European American, all these other European Americans around me, are they going to be looking at me differently? Are there's going to be eyes of judgments? You know, even as a traveler, right? People who travel around the world as a black person, you first go, the first thing you do is search the country to see how friendly they are to black people. White people never have that experience. They don't mm-hmm. even think about it. So that when people start talking about privilege, the privilege that you have is that you don't have to go and look up a country to see if it's safe for people like you and LGBTQ people can understand this too, because I'm sure they do the same thing. Is this friendly towards LGBTQ people? So, yeah.
0: And women have that experience to an extent. Like I've always been jealous when I meet a guy friend that's like, I was backpacking around Mm -hmm. Italy. And I'm like, that must be nice. Even a boardroom with like a bunch of dudes. Mm -hmm. Although I do have to say as a woman, I also understand the power of that as a white woman. Like Mm -hmm. I don't think, I can relate to the exact level of like profound fear or rightful anxiety you might have to Mm -hmm. face being like, Am I actually safe here? And I love going to the South. Like, it's one of my favorite places, but then I did see racism. I saw people like beat their kids. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is like, I'm not trying to blanket everybody. I'm not one of those people that believes everyone in the South is an idiot or anything. Yeah. (laughs) But. But that is a, a pure, like a perfect example of like, I wasn't scared there, but right. I noticed almost every single person serving me food was black mm-hmm. and every single person in power that I ran into, especially in Charleston, uh, South Carolina. Right. I don't know. I've noticed these things, but I've never had to engage with them emotionally right. because they don't affect me.
1: Exactly. It is very scary. And talking even about um, taking road trips, like I drove up, I live in Colorado, so I drove up to North Dakota. And on my way back, I had to stop in this very small town to get gas. And my first thought is, are there any Black people here? Is this going to be safe for me if anything happens? Nobody knows where I am. And so those are thoughts, unfortunately, that we do have to think about. And sure enough, I stopped and got gas and The gentleman was very weird. Everyone was looking at me very strange. Thank God I had my dog in the car. If anything happened, I felt like that would be my only protection. But it is a real anxiety that Black people do live with. As much as we don't want to maybe voice it or are tired of feeling like the victim because white America says, stop being a victim all the time. You're fine. We had a Black president. You're good. These things are not real anymore. It is very real. Um, When I worked at the ministry uh, for seven years, for the first couple of years, I was the only woman, my age and black person on the board, on the executive, at the executive table. And I would come home and I would have nightmares about being the only person, the only girl, black girl on the board and all these white older men and the things that were said. It was just like, it wasn't comfortable, But for me, my own particular personal experience, my lived experience as an African woman, so I was born in Liberia and came to the States when I was nine. And Mm so I didn't, I don't have the, the conditioning that Black people in America, Black Americans have, where you're conditioned to know how to you know, talk to the cops, how to behave in public, because I'm coming from Africa, we are the majority, right? And so I came at that young age with that understanding and experienced my first um, racist moment when I went to a boarding school in Jersey, and I was walking at 13, walking to the grocery store, and the white lady got off the the sidewalk and walked around me because she did not want to be on the sidewalk with me. That was my first time at the age of 13 in America experiencing racism. And then it became very real for me because Mm. I mean, as an African girl, my dad did not have those conversations with me. This is how you talk to police or my, or even my brother didn't have that conversation that most black Americans do have to have with their children. And so my experience, which I love though, is very, um, very diverse because I also went to a very, I was the only black person in a lot of schools that I was in and even the education system is so different. Like in fourth grade in the white school, I was learning how to buy stocks and we had to have <laughs> stocks and all those different things. And I go to middle school to a um a more urban school and I ask the kids like how are you guys doing the stocks? And they're like, what stocks? We don't know what that is. They don't even know where to find it in the newspaper. And so when people tell me, and we're talking about defunding the police and all those, all of that right now, and people don't understand that the education system is very different, right? And so Black Americans are being raised to be employees, and White Americans are being raised to be owners of companies. So yeah,
0: there's so diverse. Yeah, yeah, there's something. I mean. So I, I had a podcast last week that I put out with my dad or two weeks ago because he oh taught in inner city Philly my whole life and yeah. I have been having more conversations with him about that. I'm just like, you devoted 30 years of your life to these Black and right. Puerto Rican students but that school wasn't quote, good enough for us, or that wouldn't have been a place where we would be safe. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. safe. They had, you know, metal detectors before white boys were shooting up schools. It was like, it was just the way that it was in those neighborhoods. It was, it was rough. And every night on the five o'clock news, they would feature stories from North Philly, which would be a lot of shootings, a lot of black on Mm -hmm. black crime. And Mm -hmm. it, it really created this sense of in white communities of like it's really scary over there um I mean I don't know if it's okay to say this but I just (laughs) noticed some people in that community using like really huge words and then white Mm -hmm. people making fun of them for misusing them and I'm just like now realizing that's because they have to like overcompensate to be taken seriously in the world so they're like but at the same time they're not receiving the education and it's just like even all of this being said is making me so uncomfortable. It's making me so sad. It's making me, you know, it's just like there's that one little instance of seeing someone in the news speaking in a way that sounds ignorant to you. Mm-hmm. There is so much in that one moment that has that right. led us to that moment. And then there's so much being received by anyone watching it. That is, it's all dark. It's all wrong. It's all minimizing
1: mm-hmm.
0: people and not making them the human beings that they are.
1: Right. And even with, as you're talking about the overcompensating for having to be, needing to assimilate into white culture, yeah, right? And so for you to take me seriously, I need to act like you. I need to sound like what I think you sound like, because automatically you think, because I'm not like you, I must be ignorant in some type of way. I must have less education. Um, It's all a lot of different microaggressions. Like when white people will come to their black, black friend and say, say the word ask. And because they expect you to say X. And so, oh, you're a black person. So you say X, you don't say ask, mm-hmm. right? And so I had a friend recently asked me like, well, say this word to me. And I said, that's not, we're not having this conversation. And I had to call them out on their racist behavior and let them know there was some, somebody very close to me. And they thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. But that is like when we talk about relearning and educating European Americans on how to treat people of African descent and how to be equal and live in an equal society, is those types of microaggressions that happen. Well say this word or do you know what this word means? Or um I know a lot of black people used to say um what's the word? Um conversating, which is not a word, it's converse, right? Yeah. I'm conversating with this person. Oh, they're so dumb. They don't know what they're talking about. Like you're saying, like making fun of that. But this is from history when Black people had to become, you know, put the dress, the 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 suit on, the tie, put your Sunday best on, so that white people wouldn't see you as a threat and Mm. wouldn't see you as a as a criminal. And so now I have to assimilate to look like you, so you think without my skin color, but you can even see from the clothes that I'm wearing that I'm a human being too. And yeah. so it comes from that very deep, dark, um, history of America, the stain on America right now that she's kind of America's lifting up her skirt right now and seeing that she has a stain on it, on her, on her, what would be, what it would be, um, her slip, right. And she's <laughs> up and saying, Oh crap. No, right? yeah, yeah. I have a stain underneath my dress and I've been pretending that I'm so perfect. And I'm so loving Right? I'm so accepting of everybody, mm-hmm. but this is my issue. I have a problem. And now in the world, because of COVID-19, everybody has been able to stop and listen and see and pay attention. The world is saying, yeah, America has a problem and we need yeah. to fix it. Not that other countries don't have it, right? It's not just America, but America is the greatest country in the world, the country of freedom, the country of liberty. Everyone wants to come to America but it's not equal for everybody. Everybody's Mm -hmm. not treated the same. And even coming in the country as an African person, in the beginning, I believed that African-Americans were lazy, that they were victims. And for a very long time, I would have that conversation. Why are you guys acting like victims? Just, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Everybody has the same opportunity, but because I went to white schools, right? That was how I was educated. That was my conditioning. Of how to look at people who look like me but feeling myself separate because I was from Africa and I wasn't born here and Mm. so I saw so I understand where European Americans are coming from when they say the things that black people are lazy and they need they can get education we all have the same opportunity and it wasn't until to my early 20s when I started realizing they don't have the same opportunity at all you're not going to the same school you're not being educated the same only way you can get out the hood is to be the player at football or basketball or be a a good musician and be a rapper that's the only like ways you can escape and then within the community within the black community there is the shame there as well so if you start talking like a white person right then you're shamed because you sound educated and so now you sound like a white person and you're trying to be like the white people i got that um, so many times right yeah. um but it's a very real thing because we don't um mm. people of african descent don't know how to go into the white spaces and be themselves and still be respected because they're not going to be respected right. when i was the head of the hr department i couldn't go in there like hey girl how y'all doing right and they're like what is she doing here she doesn't belong here the white people can show up as who they are and be who they are all the time. And it just be just fine. and just great. But I have to like put on almost not almost, I have to put on a mask and be a different person so that you can think I'm smart enough to handle the job that you've given me and trust me tons of pushback in the church, in the ministry, in the evangelical church, tons of pushback in my leadership role of people not trusting that I knew what I was doing or that I was smart enough to do my job because of my skin color.
0: How do you know it's your skin color, not any other variable like being a woman?
1: Because there were other women in leadership that were white. I'm kind
0: mistrusted. I'm like, excuse me, I'm purposely asking all the Karen questions.
1: <laughs> the Karen questions, Karen. I mean, but you know what, Brenda? I wanted to even just like I've been thinking about that. The fact that society again is the is the misogynistic nature of society that we have called white women Karens and demonized women again, and everybody feels very comfortable with that. Like, what's the name for the white man that's racist? Kevin. Um, what is it, Kevin? Kevin. And <laughs> they just—they just named her Kevin. <laughs> they
0: just—I was just them. thinking
1: about this yesterday. I'm like, why are we so hateful towards women again? That it has to be the white women, as if they're the only ones who have problems and are racist or have prejudice or biases. Like it's just we just love to hate on women. And then being a black woman, then being a black queer woman. Like, oh my goodness. Like, how many strikes can you give me, Jesus? Like. Right. How many strikes,
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, but uh, we shouldn't get off on this too long because I know you have so much brilliance (laughs) to impart, but I mean... I'm furious at the Karens. I, I yeah. plan to make a Karen video next week and I'm going to do my classic God is Gray mm-hmm. rage through my house and throw things <laughs> and then settle myself down and do a calm video because yeah. I really do, I don't feel inauthentic when I do that. I just know that yeah. I have to put my best foot forward. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but I, I'm i going to be honest and be like, I am furious to see these Karen accounts of men and women that are white. Right behaving in this way it's like does that make you even more afraid to travel to do things like i there's a part of me that are like that's like okay well thank goodness you're on display so at least we know who you are but then another part of me is like well aren't they also just getting emboldened like i feel like people are starting to behave on in the world as they do on the internet which can be very cruel and dehumanizing. everything like is it worse now
1: It's not worse. It's getting recorded. That's all. It's not worse. Yeah. It's been a it's always been a situation. Um, I don't I will say this, I don't like that we're highlighting women, yeah, that are being racist. I don't like that. I think if you're gonna because they have an entire instagram page right now called karen's gone wild i don't know if you've seen it
0: (laughs) i've seen it (laughs) i mean i was i mean i'm laughing now but i was crying watching some of them it was like devastating like watching like watching the person of color mexican black whatever Mm -hmm. receiving that hatred like there's there's videos where other white women step in and do the right thing and tell the white person off and it's like great Mm -hmm. that's being an ally like that's what i imagine and hope i would do in those situations but Then watching it bounce off of this like silent Mexican girl holding her, her cart, just minding her own dang business, getting groceries, I'm like, it made me cry because I'm like, now she has to walk through the world with your hatred as like a stain on her. Right. Or, or spend all this time overcoming it. I mean, I agree. I don't want it to be focused on women, but at the same time, there's a lot of white women that I'm really mad at. Yeah especially women like public figures also candace owens (laughs) (laughs) although i can't even really speak to that like we're not gonna gonna,
1: we're not gonna touch and we're (laughs) not gonna talk about candace um because she i don't have i have no words for candace i love her as a black woman i listen to her to hear her opinions because we can't be one-sided yeah we have to if you're gonna educate yourself as painful as it can be Mm. Um, you have to educate yourself on both sides of the fence right yeah and so if we're asking european americans white people to educate themselves on the struggles of being black in america if we have black people who are speaking on the very i don't know i don't want to say republican because i don't think everybody who's republican believes as she does but we have to listen to all sides right And so if you're going to educate yourself as painful as it can be, I think um, you're going to enjoy this. I shared the video that you did um, with the gentleman. He was talking, oh my gosh, he was a pastor. I forget what he was was talking about. You were talking about race with him and somebody has shared Candace's video with me on Facebook. And so Uh I sent your video with that, that interview with the pastor to that person i can't think of the name right now i'm so upset is it, is it
0: lenny duncan yes talking about race oh, okay yeah, yes
1: yeah. so i sent your video and tagged mm-hmm. like copied it into the, into the comments and they said i couldn't listen to it he sounded very angry
0: oh and so i said
1: i said if you're asking me to listen to candace which i will listen to her if you're asking me to to hear where you're coming from the least you can do is move past your discomfort and listen to this person so if we're not willing to be to feel assaulted or feel personally attacked by what someone's saying to listen move past your emotions on both sides of things and listen to what they're saying because i think as black americans too it's kind of assumed that we know how all white people feel and Mm -hmm. we're just like we don't want to hear it we get it you don't want to pay for your ancestors. Okay, fine. Great. Slavery's over. Okay, great. We had a black president. Great. We're over it. We don't want to hear it. Yeah. But we have to hear it.
0: Mm-hmm. We have
1: to be able to listen and say, Oh, so you're experiencing me listening to you right now, Brenda talking about the pain and you crying over Karen's gone wild is interesting to me because I didn't have that, re- that response. And so I have to be human enough as Christians too, because we can't expect the world to behave the way that Christians are supposed to behave. We're supposed to be loving, right? And accepting and be able to sit down and freaking listen. Yeah. To what someone's saying. So if Did I, have, I
0: say anything ignorant in that? Because people no. have been telling me like, I don't need to hear that you're crying. This isn't your turn to cry. But then at the same time, I'm like, but I was crying.
1: <laughs> I'm like just telling the truth. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't like.
0: <laughs> I don't like that. Maybe
1: there are be some black people getting upset with me on, a, on your comments, but I don't like that. Yeah. If we're going to listen, we have to listen to everybody and make space for people to experience, for white people to experience what they're experiencing right now. It's okay for you to cry. So it's okay. I don't know that you're crying watching that. I may think that you're watching it thinking like, yeah, I agree with Karen. I, she should have said that. She was absolutely right. This is the law. He shouldn't be painting Black Lives Matter on his foot, on his stool. Whatever the case is, I agree with her. But for you telling me, that and me hearing you that's adding to my experience to say oh like we really are all in this together against racists it's not white people against black people there are white people who are able to have not empathy because you don't know what we're going through Mm -mm. right but Mm -hmm. have compassion and understand as a human being what it would feel like for someone to just respond to you and interact with you based on your color alone So I have to be willing
0: to listen to you. (laughs) And if we
1: can't do that, what are we, we're not going to get anywhere.
0: Love my Gen Zers. Love you guys so much. But I've had a lot of, you know, 15 to 19 year olds slide into my DMs being like, you can't say this and you can't feel this. And I'm, you know, like like I already said, I'm not going to like listen to how I should feel. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of anxiety building of like, oh, if we don't do Black Lives Matter perfectly as a white person, if we say we're upset, if we, you know, like, I think a lot of us are feeling uh, a little paralyzed and I'm like, that's the last thing I want any white person to feel like no one should be just standing still, still like a deer in headlights, whatever you're doing, you need to run for it is my opinion. Are you in the same like frame of mind as me?
1: I I am. I, I agree with that. Cause you're not the first person I'm hearing that from. I've been listening. They did the share the mic. Um, on Instagram. And so I've been listening to white people, white women respond to what's the moment that we're in right now. And a lot of them are saying the same thing. They don't know what the right thing to do is. They don't want to mess up. They don't want to say the wrong thing, which is so um, destabilizing for someone. Because if you want to stand with somebody and you want to stand for a cause. And now you're feeling like you can't do it right. But one person, I forget, it may have been Jen Hatmaker. I may be wrong about this. But the white girl privilege of having to know the right thing to do and then being loved for the right thing that they're doing.
0: Mm. So like,
1: this is the right thing to do. I'm going to do it. Everyone's going to love me. Now, the right thing to do right now, everyone's not going to love you. People are going to have their comments and so it feels really funny and really different and awkward and uncomfortable for white women right now because you expect to to have all of the applause all of the hugs love you sister love you girl thank you you did a great job that's not going to come right now
0: mm-hmm. because
1: you're standing with people who are so used to not hearing the applause hearing the congratulations from anybody yeah and so if you're going to be an ally You have to be willing to let go of the privilege of the applause, of the thank yous, of the congratulations. And that's okay. If you're going to stand for it, fully stand for it and don't let anybody, Black people included, tell you how to feel in this moment. I think that is a huge disservice that we're doing to all of us. And I'm coming from a standpoint of, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. We are spirit beings inhabiting this world moving through this world with our bodies right and so as a believer I of course I'm going to put arms around you and say come on in here let's talk about it share with me what's going on how are you feeling about this how what do you want to understand have a conversation with me and also too I think black people don't want White people who are just posting it on Instagram and then saying that's their activism, and you're not having any real conversations with any people of color that you know personally. Maybe you don't even know people of color, well, then build those relationships. Mm-hmm. Don't post it on Instagram it's cute. It's fun. Okay. You've done your duty. Now you've done the act of it. You're pretending or you're acting, you're playing a role, but you have no real deep, genuine conversations or relationships with anybody that looks different from you. That's a problem. That's the problem. So we don't want the fake. Okay. Stop pretending. (laughs) Okay. If you're going to do it for real, do it for real in a, in a way that no one, no one would ever see because it's a thing when like, um, the white churches go to Africa and India and they're taking pictures with the, the kids yeah. with the blown up bellies. <clears throat> and it's like, I'm going to give this person a, a bowl of food to eat. Snap my picture for Instagram, right? It's fake. It's not real. We don't want to see it. Okay. You're pretending you're playing a role. You don't really care about those people. It's we're, we're done with it. So it kind of, I think it feels the same. Yeah. That is just like, oh, I'm gonna stand Black Lives Matter. I'm gonna change my profile picture. I'm gonna put the blackout on there. And then the next black person I see in Walmart, I'm walking around them. I'm not having a conversation. I'm not even saying hi to you. But I'm posting on Instagram. Don't be fake about it. Like Instagram, online, social media is not the real world. Okay. We post highlights. Sometimes we post low lights to seem real. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But at the, at the end of the day, your real life is the people in your immediate circle that are around you. Are you having co- the hard conversations with your family, with the people that you know are racist, okay? Um, I had a situation at the ministry I was working for. My boss's mom came over and she's like from Texas, very racist. And he had asked me not to come around because she was very racist. Like the work would have been him having that conversation with her,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah. So that's the work that needs to be done. And if you want to share that after you do the work, then share that, but don't, don't flip it around. Don't do, sorry for hitting the mic, but don't do, don't do it opposite. Don't flip it around, you know, do the hard stuff first. And that's me as a coach too, though. Like don't come (laughs) talk to
0: me. Yeah. If
1: you haven't, if you're not showing me that you actually desire this, that you want it by pursuing it first be- before having the conversation with me.
0: Yeah, That's I really appreciate you saying all of that because, you yeah. know, uh, suicide rates drop, depression is up and everything because yeah. we live so much of our lives online. And I know right. too, with Corona, it became obviously even more online. Now we're having Zoom yeah. dates with our friends. Right. So I myself, I personally don't like do not like how online my life, is Mm -hmm. and I can't wait to transition and have people again but because of that like um, I think it's just really comforting to hear what you're saying Uh, not coddling not you know you're still going in hard but it's like to worry less about how you're being perceived online because i feel like people are putting a lot of stress on each other they're saying don't be performative but perform and you better put that square up like my best friend called me and was like you better put that black square up and i was like but i don't even know what it means and there's a conflict about whether or not it's right or wrong and she's like just put it up they're gonna slaughter you and i was like oh my god and i put up the black square and of course like 50 people were like you should have never i was just like dude And that's my intuition was exact same. Like, I just appreciate you saying everybody listening, like don't, fine, worry about your Instagram image, but really it's about how you're behaving in real life. And very soon, it's not going to be solely online. You're going to get your real life back. And like, what are we doing in real life? Just try to like shut out all the voices and do what you know is right in this moment. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And as believers, are we praying about it? Or like, are you talking to God about what your role is and how you can present whatever he's putting in your heart? Because we don't want any fake pretending playing church or playing a Christian. None of that is real. None of that is going to work because at this moment in time, everyone's very raw. Mm-hmm. Everyone's very open, you know, and people have there's a saying the no, real recognizes real right so I can recognize if you're being real or not okay if you post one post about Black Lives Matter I'm scrolling down your 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 Instagram feed and I'm seeing what you've posted before if this is the first time you posted anything about this and not mentioned before you're performing because you're part of that you're trying to be part of the moment in this at this time and so I don't want to hear that you know. Yeah. But. At the same time, though, it is your feed. So you post up whatever you want to post up, (laughs) you know, so it doesn't have to be either or it's and right. So hold space. And I think for your black audience, for me to talk to them, just hold space for white people to go through whatever emotions that they're going through right now, whatever realizations, although it's hard for us to to think that right now, that's you're just now realizing this, how old are you? Right. Mm -hmm. As much as we don't understand that we should be open to have the conversations as a black person. I'm not your educator. There's Google, there's YouTube. If you really want to know, you can go look it up. Okay. But when you look it up and you want to come to someone who's having who's that's their lived experience. And you want to talk to me as a friend to understand, to have more compassion, understanding, come to me and talk to me about it. Let's hold space for the conversations. We have to hold space for the conversation. I think that would be like my takeaway.
0: Yeah. And I, again, appreciate you saying that. Like my boyfriend was talking about, uh, primarily about white women signing my DMs getting mad. He was like, it's really like you're trying to reason with drunk people yelling at a bar, <laughs> like, because everything is so emotional right now. He's like, yeah. you can't talk to people at that level of anger, fear, hatred animosity like whatever pain and actually right. like expect so in my prayer life the message I kept getting was like settle still yourself mm-hmm. like wait for the messages to come and for yeah. me when I was in a more settled space this is when uh Elijah McClain's story came to me and then all of a sudden I was like okay this is something I can actively do this is something yeah. I I know I have power to do mm-hmm. and um and i really resented actually that people had told me to move faster and do things faster but that's again on me it's like i love that you're saying no matter what color you are you have to take the grace and space to figure out what is actually the right thing to do and not let everyone's voice like prompt you to move quickly on something you don't know what you're doing exactly and I like that you clarified although I will still say if you do reach out to your friend and ask an educated question Mm -hmm. and they're black and you're whatever and they don't want to talk to you or even if they hang up on you it's like have (laughs) have grace for that like you know don't be like oh you know it's just like okay have grace Mm -hmm. for that that's fine and Mm -hmm. and to your point though too that has not been my experience because you know I I did come from a a, as educated of place i could and asked very pointed questions asked mm-hmm. if if they had time space energy emotion mm-hmm. to give to that kind of conversation before i called you know yeah. i was like i have some blm questions for you i would love to bounce this off you if you yeah. do not have the capacity for that just tell me to f off and we're fine yeah. you know so yeah it's been complicated, but it's like, all right, that's cool. Like we can do this. Like just mm-hmm. settle your own spirit. Right. Right. Coach. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that you're touching on obviously the Christian element too, because mm-hmm. I've felt like a lot of that has been lacking and so much again, it's because of the emotion. And again, you know, I'm giving as much grace infinitely amount of time to anyone Mm -hmm. that needs it in the black community but as a Christian the way we're supposed to behave Mm -hmm. it becomes a whole new level so it's like okay not only am I giving grace to that but I'm completely forgiving any kind of reactionary things that anyone of any color is giving to me in this moment right right and also how do you navigate a world where you're recognizing race we know you know i used to think it was the polite thing to say i don't see race yeah. <laughs> which right you know is now i'm embarrassed to admit all of these yeah. things but it's like yeah i used to think maybe when i was like 12 or something like to say hey i don't even see race don't worry about it was mm-hmm. supposed to be comforting mm-hmm. without realizing again i was thinking about in christianity the quote generational curse mm-hmm. i think we really take for granted but that's very poetic language for to me A family, a lineage, a line, a history of people, generation after generation, passing down the same pain, heartache, hardships, and Mm -hmm. not being able to grow past them. And I think that white people are taking for granted that if black people were brought here as slaves, and Mm -hmm. it was not a long time ago no we couldn't share a water fountain like you're acting like oh we're just supposed to be over this because we had a black president and for Mm -hmm. anyone who wants more insight into it i watched beautiful uh michelle obama's becoming documentary last night that was awesome because she talked about yeah it was like my husband's a black president but this is still really bad yeah and she said this before george floyd you know happened so can you speak to the quote generational curse and like slavery, you know, segregation, how that is still affecting us today.
1: Well, a gener generational curses, if the, with the way that I believe, right, we're in Jesus, all curses are gone. We're blessed in Galatia that talks about this. So it's generational learned behavior. It's not a curse. It's a mm-hmm. learned behavior, mm-hmm. right? So from, from the very beginning, if I'm learning be- that the way that I interact with people who look different than me, or specifically people of African descent, is that they're lesser than me. If that is how my father feels, my grandfather feels, the people before that, it's coming down. It's coming down in conversation. It's coming down in the movies that you watch. It's coming down in the, the places that you spend your money. It's coming down to the, your social circles. And it happens in your church. So yeah. I think. A lot of what we're noticing and realizing now, because I'm paying attention to the churches that are talking about the moment that we're in and the churches who are very silent about the moment that we're in and the churches who are on the other side of it talking about Blue Lives Matter, okay? So I'm paying attention, but I think that's the beauty. Just prophetically, just thinking about 2020 is when we're seeing things that we never saw before. It's perfect vision,
0: right? And so everyone's being... Post right now, <laughs> sorry, I, I felt this Oprah heart. like that sweet yeah. tweet moment, yeah. <laughs> it's like 2020 vision. That's a really yeah. beautiful way to say. Sorry insane. to interrupt you, but like no, ahead, everybody, Mama. yeah, think about that. That's that's yeah. freaking beautiful. Okay, that's go exactly, ahead. Sorry, no, but that's
1: <laughs> the beauty of the moment that we're in right now. Everyone's trying to cancel 2020, and we're over it. First, there was the fires in Australia, then the war with I think Iran or Iraq, and then COVID and all these different things. But now we're in a moment where we are opening our eyes we're being forced to open your eyes you're being forced to confront this thing that's very uncomfortable for you and the churches who are not saying anything or are being performative about what they're saying it's very clear mm. where you stand and it's very clear that black people are saying i'm not sending my tithes and offerings to you anymore because you don't care about me we're in a moment that you should be standing up and being the example of the church is supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Why are we not the loudest in the world right now speaking for equality? Because evangelical churches, Protestant, whoever they want to call themselves, have white supremacy in the pulpits. Okay. And so I'm not going to have this conversation about this because this makes me very very uncomfortable but my wife's supremacy has placed me in a position in the church that is making me a lot of money just to be real honest about it right so yeah. i'm not going to have this conversation my congregation the people who send me money from the south wherever they are right are in agreement with well we're christians first we're not black so people that say i don't see color in in the christianity people say well i'm christian first I understand what you're saying, but when I go into, into the world, when I'm in Walmart or at the grocery store at the gas station, you are not Christian first. I'm not Christian first. Yeah. I'm a black girl. Okay. Yeah. First.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So even with all of that, I think that, and for me, I am, I am hard on the church, but I have a right to be hard on the church because I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I have higher standards. You know how so, I
0: feel. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we should
1: be we should be the example and i cannot other than the td jakes interview that he did with christine kane and dr caroline leaf and i forget the other names that were on there right now it was a very great interview but other than that i don't see people in the church the people who are on tbn who are asking for your money every day speaking mm-hmm. up and saying where we should go from now like where do we go after this because george floyd no one's mad because of george floyd we're mad because it's the straw that broke the camel's back oh yeah okay oh, so yeah. it's not people that think well what he was candace owens well he was a criminal and he was girl sit down because we're not talking about that we're saying we're over it even this morning driving home from my friend's house cops pulled over someone and i every black person does this you drive by and you check to see if they're a black person and you say a quick prayer to make sure they stay alive after that meeting. And I drove by and was a white woman. I said, Oh, she's going to be all right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's learned behavior. And as a black person, a person of African descent taken into the spiritual realm and before slavery, I cannot believe that my history started as slavery if I participate in that dialogue with the devil, that white people are superior and and they see me as inferior and start participating in that, I'm always going to be in the struggle. I'm always going to feel like a victim. I'm always going to feel like there's a mountain, there's a hill that I have to climb. I don't live like that. That is not my story. I didn't start as slavery. Okay. Um, You'll find this funny. Um, Liberia, I'm part of the tribe. My tribe is the Basa tribe. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: unfortunately, I'm ashamed to say, our tribe was the tribe that sold other Black people to the white people for fish. And so as an African person, though, I know that my history, I'm not a slave. I didn't start at slavery. But even Liberia is the country created when they sent the free slaves back to Africa. And so they Mm. created a country and that was Liberia. But if as a black American, I think that my history started 400 years ago in America, I'm going to have a huge problem. Yeah. I didn't start here. You took me from somewhere. We were Kings and we were royalty and people, even for Christians to go back into the Bible, Ethiopians were not light skinned people with skin noses. They didn't look like Elizabeth Taylor no like Lu- lupita nyong'o okay there were black people enslaving the israelites all There's
0: right Also, l- no white people in the bible
1: uh the romans are there
0: okay fine yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah if yeah, they yeah. want
1: to if, if if white people <laughs> want to tell the whole truth okay if they really want to associate with somebody
0: oh okay? <laughs> if
1: you really want to associate with somebody yeah associate with the romans because jesus was not white obviously right And so Mm -hmm. that's who you should be associating with. But that would be a hard story to tell up in church as a white supremacist. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah.
0: No, that's that's a really profound thing for you to say. Because when I said there's no no white people in the Bible, I'm thinking (laughs) about the celebrated figures. Yeah, exactly. Not realizing that yet again, the (laughs) adversary was white. And that's like, exactly. I don't, I that's not me being some like self-hating white person. Like, no. I think that, um, but it just, it's like, it's just education. You're an educator. Education is, is the most that's empowering tool that we have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the police have been re- like trained to brutalize people, to be afraid of people. That is also an education. Like we've gotten these different educations. I was educated to believe the Columbus discovered America and him and the yeah. Native Americans sat down and had a really cute dinner. Yeah. Like, Yay, Thanksgiving. And, and I'm trying to call that out right now. I'm like, it's, it's not my fault
1: right. that
0: at eight years old, you lied to me because someone mm-hmm. lied to you and someone lied to that person and said exactly. that they had a nice sit down dinner.
1: Right, But
0: it is my responsibility now to be like, You know, I'm trying to go back to the mouth of babes, like remembering Mm -hmm. how children see things, because I have this very distinct memory. It's one of my earliest memories of the most traumatic thing I saw on television when I was little. Mm -hmm. And me and my mom were sitting down. I don't remember which movie it was, but it was about it was after slavery. um, You know, when things were still really, really heated in the South, men were getting Mm -hmm. hung, black men. And um, so in this movie, this black father got gasoline poured on him and got set on fire. And I think I was like, I mean, it was way too young to see an image like that. It was like five or six. And I like ran out of the room wailing. I felt Mm. like my entire body broke in half and I was devastated. I do think it's okay, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's okay to understand that we are not inherently evil. We don't inherently believe these terrible things about each other. You can harken back to a moment where you, quote, didn't see color, that you were Mm -hmm. just reacting like a child and moving through the world Mm -hmm. without imposed ideas about race on you. Mm -hmm. But after you give yourself the grace to be like, okay, I know I'm a better person, then you have to trace Mm -hmm. your history and be like, okay, so after I wept in my room for that father. Right. I put on a pilgrim costume and did a Columbus play. And then I like, and then I went to a white church with all white people. And I went on a mission trip to Ecuador and pat myself Mm -hmm. on the back and thought I did something good. Like Mm -hmm. you have to educate yourself and be like, okay, great. You have a good heart. That is a great start. Thank God. But what has happened to you since? Have I asked black girls to touch their hair? yes like (laughs) you know like just just look at your shit part of my friend and be like yes i have a good heart great great jumping off point now what do i have to undo and what do i have to relearn about what's actually Mm -hmm. happening in the world how i've participated ask Mm -hmm. for forgiveness of whoever i need to ask forgiveness of Mm -hmm. um and then move from that place and i love the quotes people keep saying i think lenny duncan said I'm going to like misquote, but he said, you know, getting out of white supremacy is a lifelong journey. Right. We've already been on this hundreds of year journey and we exactly. have made progress. Like, it is important to know that we, you and I, can sit at a coffee shop together and right. in Los Angeles and no one's yeah. going to think twice about it. Right. But we do have to still sit here and be like, could we do that anywhere, in any country, in any situation? Right. If the answer is no. And we still have work to do.
1: Exactly. And I think what we all have to understand is that we all have errors in our life of willful ignorance. So even yeah. challenging black people to say, how well do you know the struggle of queer people in America? Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we can get really mad at white people, not understanding and not, knowing the struggle and not taking the time to to look it up and learn and educate themselves so that they can be more loving and caring and accepting all of that but what have we done for queer people right and so there's this battle right now with the lgbtq plus community and the black movement um what was it that they just recently passed that said that you can't fire someone for being gay and so they posted it on this popular Instagram um, black blog, and in the comments, because I love reading the comments, I want to know where people are coming from. Oh gosh! And saying <laughs> um, we don't want to talk about this right now. The LGBTQ people are always trying to take over Black Lives Matter. We need to focus on Black lives, mm. not LGBTQ plus people. So every human, right? We can sit in our our, on our throne and say, you need to learn about my struggle and love me and, and, and care for me. But what are you doing for the next person that's different from you?
0: Mm.
1: And that's just the Christian perspective, right? Who, how are you being a good Samaritan to somebody? Whoever it may be, no matter what your color, no matter what your race, your ethnicity, your background, there is somebody who's struggling in life different than you. And we should be interested and have a desire to learn about it and to help them, if we can link arms with them, to help them in their own struggle too. So it's not about the pointing of the fingers, yes. I fully agree, white people have a lot of work to do, okay? Yeah. Like, I love Toni Morrison's um, quote, I don't know if you, if you are familiar with it, when she said, if you have to be, if you're only tall if somebody else is on their knees, and mm-hmm. you have a very serious problem, And I believe white people have a very serious problem and they need to figure out what they are going to do about it and leave me out of it. Okay. I fully agree with that comment. Okay. (laughs) I love that quote from her. So white people have, do have a lot of work to do because they have been conditioned for a very long time to feel and behave as the majority, even the term of white, right? White is pure white is light white is god god has dominion so white people have dominion so even the language that's why i know i'm I'm trying to get myself out of saying white and black because when you think about black you think about the devil you think about evil darkness scare like fear and all kinds of like darkness is blackness and so black people are criminals like you're very intentional in the language that you're using even the people who are pro-black and black lives matter even for black people themselves our language is very important if you're saying stop killing me i'm still the victim it's not still about you stop being a murderer forget about stop killing me stop being a murderer get off my neck i'm still the person underneath your knee right and we have to be careful i can't breathe i can absolutely breathe i'm fine okay nothing's wrong with me. You need to figure out what's wrong with you because racism prejudice is a neurosis. It's a mental disorder. You have a problem that you can look at another human being because of the color of their skin, their skin tone and think somehow that you're superior to them. You have a problem and you need to figure that out. Okay. I've been saying, cause I really want this to happen. They need to put this in the DSM, the, the book where they have all the mental disorder. Mm. Put it in there.
0: Is it so not? Because it sh- It should not, be. Because
1: if if being a, a homosexual was and you skip <sighs> racism, that's a problem. Oh, so put, it, yeah. put racism in there, okay? And when someone starts exhibiting signs, lock their behinds up and, fi- and fix it <laughs> before they go out and kill people. Truly. So if Truly. that's part of your... It should be part of the, um, whatever they do with the police, they're not getting enough training already. So that's even a bigger problem. But when you're evaluating them, you should have a list of questions that evaluates if they have symptoms and signs of racism, and it should exclude them from getting that job.
0: Mm.
1: We have to make it a problem and not make it like oh your heart is just bad you have a bar heart no you have a bad mind there's something wrong with you seriously wrong with you and have to have we have to change the conversation I'm not going to participate in a conversation that makes me a victim I'm not going to do it right so if you if someone's a racist that has nothing to do with me I feel bad for you like Toni Morrison said that you only feel tall when someone else is on their knees, you have a problem. And she said, you have to go watch the clip. I'll send it to you. I love she her. Said, um, what do you have when they take your race away? Cause race is a social construct. And she's like, you're all strung out on yourself. What do you have? Are you a good person? Do you like mm. yourself <laughs> when that's taken away? If I'm not a white person in America, take that away from you. You're just Bob or you're just Karen walking down the street. You don't have a social construct of being superior or being the the dominant one in society. Who, do, who are you after that? That's the conversation we need to start having with people. I'm not participating in the I can't breathe and stop killing us and get off. I'm not doing it because you're not on my neck. You're not killing me. You have a problem and you need to fix it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, I love that. I yeah. really do love that. And it absolutely needs to be in the DSM. Mm-hmm. I mean what do I know? But it sounds more <laughs> no, accurate it, and it's, it near, it's it's not a heart problem and I think that's people's resistance to understanding you know like we're so triggered and I hate mm-hmm. to say that Christians are so triggered by the word white supremacy or, or even by like hearing that Columbus was like evil yeah, which he right. was he was like right. a rapist he pillaged mm-hmm. you know like he was a terrible terrible, terrible
1: person. He was.
0: So if that triggers you and makes me anti-American, like just back up. Nobody is saying your heart is evil. Right. I mean, our Christianity <laughs> says our heart is evil, you know, when when we're, it's misinterpreted <laughs> really like anyway. It. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't even believe that, you know? So right. like, I don't it's, believe yeah. you're evil. I know what we uh, felt when we were babies, when we were little kids. Exactly. But again, until we see these changes done completely right. we're not done
1: no and we have to it's in all sectors of society when people say systemic or systematic racism it's in every facet of society so whatever your role is me as a sex educator you is the same we play our role in sex education to make sure that we're representing all voices in all lives in everything that we do whatever sector of society that you're in it's there so show up for those areas if you are a pastor in the church again going back to the church if you're a pastor in the church show up and do the work right if the church hated racism as much as as much as they hate homosexuality
0: Uh. racism in this world right now that is, that's a striking thing to say. That's, that's it's depressing. Yeah, it's a fact.
1: But just listen to the language that we use when it comes, if we were to just flip it, just flip it, leave the homosexual people, leave us alone, leave us alone and focus on racism. Okay. If you were to call it an abomination,
0: mm.
1: how would that change your conversation? Mm. If you told people that racism was an abomination, that it was a sin against God Mm -hmm. would go to hell for it, that Mm -hmm. there's something fundamentally, like they tell homosexual people, LGBTQ people, that there's something fundamentally wrong with you for being a racist. How much I just even saying that frees me up. Like, it's just like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why aren't we having that conversation? And that's the problem. Amen. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not that hard. People are on my Facebook all the time because I'm very vocal on my personal page. And they're always saying these things I'm set. And I I always tell them, just switch the word homosexual racism with a racist. And then you'll understand how you should be viewing this because you're very confused and you're defending something that you really should not be defending. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with it. And it's okay for you to say that leave other people who are in consensual relationships alone. Okay. And focus on the people who actually have hate and hate in their minds and their hearts. And there's something wrong with them, fix that situation. And then we can move on from there because unfortunately the reason why we have white supremacy in the world right now is because of the evangelists, the Christian evangelists. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to be honest,
0: I know. It's anyone, a church problem. Yeah. you Anyone that wants an education on it, easy read. I'm always propping up Jamie Lee Finch, You Are Your mm-hmm. Own, because she talks about how, you know, the Baptist church was created because right. the white evangelicals did not want to desegregate their church. Right. So our our roots, we have root rot. And until we're willing to pull it all up, and that includes yes. pulling up the embarrassing, terrible mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. you've said out of your own ignorance mm-hmm. you know but it's like okay so you can move forward you can forgive yourself for it but you better behave differently and you better right. be willing to uproot it otherwise exactly what are we gonna do i don't want don't my have child to have to alone in this world no yeah
1: and you don't have to do it alone you have the holy spirit if you're a believer you're like you're still a christian right we're talking mm-hmm. to christians mm-hmm. you have the holy spirit he can highlight that for you. You really don't need to reach out to anybody. And ask him if you're embarrassed. Talk to the Lord.
0: I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: he'll help. He'll help you, and he'll check you when you're saying something that is inappropriate. Like he checks all of us, right? That's mm-hmm. not loving. That's not kind. And then you fix it so it doesn't have. I think the problem is people think they have to do this entire overhaul of their entire lives, and now be. Loving of everybody, like, it's so hard to love everybody. Like, chill out, okay? <laughs> Talk to the Lord, ask him, highlight for me areas of my conditioning that have been affected by racism. Where have I missed it? Where was I taught wrong? Because we all have and no one's immune from being having the wrong education, right? So help me understand, and then he'll help you understand. this beautiful I always think when you're talking about little kids I was sitting in church my pastor's uh daughter at the time was sitting next to me she must have been like four or five she asked me if she could lick my skin she wanted to know if I tasted like chocolate okay and I asked her like can I lick you like do you taste like vanilla like it was a cute conversation but that is the heart of a child and the Lord says you can't enter the kingdom of God if you don't return to be like children so that's the goal to see people and wonder if their skin tastes like chocolate. Not to say that something's wrong with them, they're uneducated, they're a criminal. No, go back to the childlike faith. Have the eyes of a child in the world and children do see color. If she's asking me if I taste like chocolate, it's not because she doesn't see color, right?
0: Yeah, She sees color
1: and she wants to know if I taste like chocolate because the only thing she's seen that look like me is chocolate ice cream, okay? (laughs) Right? so... (laughs) That's the goal, to have that beautiful heart of celebration of other people without the construct that you've been taught. Simple. And it goes for, it goes for Black people, too. Every white person I see, I don't need to look at them as someone who's going to potentially hurt me. That may not be true. I was walking my dog the other day. My dog pooped the first time. I picked it up. I had a bag. She, we're walking again. She poops the second time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have a bag. And I turn around and I'm like, this white lady's wa- like strolling with her dog. And I'm like, she gonna think I'm this dirty black girl just letting her dog poop all over the place. And I'm just like, I, she's walking towards me. I just put my head down because like, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to be hype on nobody today. I don't want to be bothered. I just put my head down. And the white lady says, oh, what kind of dog is that? Because I have the same dog. All of my conditioning to see white people as the enemy them as someone who's going to attack me, completely wrong in that situation. So we all have it, right? Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. we all have areas where we have to re-educate ourselves. And as Black people, we have unconsciously participate in the narrative. And so we do have the internalized prejudice and racism. And we see we have the filters on our own selves. And it doesn't go away if you don't have the conversation with God and let the Lord begin to tear apart those parts of your identity, and how you show up in the world um, as a black person, take all of that away and show us your beautiful chocolate taste himself. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> show up powerfully. Black joy is powerful. Black joy is important. Oh, I'm not yeah. showing up as a black person thinking white people aren't going to like me because I'm a black person. I'm showing up as a black person from a black person. That's just it. You
0: know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts before we part ways?
1: No, um, I'll just clarify the work that I do. I do love, I am an activist at heart. So (laughs) uh, someone said that being a sex educator is someone at the core who loves social justice. So I think at the heart, we love social justice as sex educators. And that for me, for someone who coaches LGBTQ people who identify as Christians, I love that language, Uh, um, who uh, identify as Christians (laughs) to to make peace with their faith and their sexuality at the core of it, it's justice. No Mm. child of God should ever feel like they're a sinner destined for hell, for who they were created to be, you know? And so that goes for a black person, for a white person, for a queer person, LGBTQ plus person, a differently abled person. No child of God should ever feel that there's something wrong with them because of how they were created. You know what I mean? So that's i hope that's the message that people take away from this conversation that you have on the goddess gray channel you have a safe space yeah to not be perfect to not have it all together to not be a white person who does black lives matter perfectly that is not the goal all the movement is asking is that you check yourself look in the mirror and figure out where you have maybe have leaned over to the to the other (laughs) side and done some questionable things okay (laughs) and fix it with you and jesus and then go on to the world and just love i don't know why it's so hard just love people why is that so (laughs) why is that so difficult (laughs) i don't
0: know i
1: don't i don't know i don't just love people if i if you meet me and i meet you oh you're a black girl man you're beautiful you're white girl you're beautiful what's your name? What do you do? What's your passion? That's my favorite question. I ask people, what's your passion? What are you passionate about? That's how I get to know you.
0: One thing that we're missing of saying, which obviously you agree with would be loving yourself, really yeah. accepting yourself as a child of God,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: until you can do that, then you need other people to be on their knees to make you feel okay. Like, exactly. let's just even say, you know, you're a girl that doesn't feel very beautiful. You don't want to walk mm-hmm. into a party full of supermodels. You want everyone to be on their knees. You want everyone yeah. to not look as good as you because you don't love right. yourself the way that you need to. So that right. to me is another thing. If you mm-hmm. are bringing your guns out and trying to intimidate pe- Black mm-hmm. people and Black Lives Matter, you're trying to get them back on their knees because you don't feel good about yourself, you're not confident right. that you can make it in this world unless you have white supremacy yeah having your back and that is not like you said anyone else's problem except your own love Mm -hmm. yourself get Mm -hmm. a grip on who you are who god made you to be and then you will realize no one needs to be on their knees for you to get all the blessings that god has ordained right yeah
1: celebrate all of who you are as you are and if it's hard for you to do again get in the face of jesus i know that sounds really Mm christianese but it's the truth and let the lord highlight for you all of the beautiful things like he did for me all the beautiful things that he made you to be and then you celebrate from that point if I'm celebrating me it's gonna be very easy for me to celebrate you because I know I'm fabulous I'm not competing with you
0: exactly Mm -hmm. right
1: so I can celebrate you and and pump you up I don't need your validation i don't need yours you either and, right come on girl okay <laughs> and celebrate all of it brenda you a model already girl stop okay You're gonna be like brenda talking she already a model she talking a whole bunch of mess right now <laughs> it's, the, it's the truth though you just mm. have to love love yourself and uh if you want to put some makeup on make yourself girl go ahead love all of it um i have my i used to coach when i used to coach uh women in their sexuality specifically, I would tell them to get naked in the mirror, which was something very hard for women to do, to get naked in the mirror and just stand there at least 10 minutes and just love yourself. Like all of it, stretch marks, bents, bulges, whatever it is, it's fabulous. Love it. And you walk in, the most sexiest thing anybody can wear is your confidence. Mm -hmm. You walk into the world confident, knowing who you are, that's why I could sit, even though I was coming home with nightmares, why I could sit at that executive table with those men, because I knew I was fabulous job. I'm like, yes, I got the brains and I got the looks. What else you want? I know you're <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I'm showing up as all of me, not because of something I did by myself. As a believer, we lean on Jesus to help us in this world, to show up powerfully as he made us to be. That's it.
0: All right. Where can everybody find you?
1: They can find me on Yema.com. My name is unique enough. They'd be typing in, you'll find it, but it's Y-E-A-M-A-H. And then I'm on all social media at Coach
0: Yema. Amazing. All right. We love you all. God bless. Bye. (laughs)